We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Fires downfield to Jamar Chase. He's got it. Wow. Takes it all the way. DJ Moore has a pass to the end zone. Jonathan Taylor. Touchdown. Pass is caught. Touchdown. NFL trade line rapid reaction time. Sean, this was uh, one that we were thinking about not doing at all because the trades were coming in while we were recording our, our normal podcast. What we've done, we flip things around. This show will come out before the regular podcast we're going to give some of our instant thoughts on what we think at the nfl trade trade deadline sean there's uh there's quite a few to get through quite a few more than we had thought and then there's people who haven't got moved that we we thought that would potentially get moved so maybe we'll quickly head on those before we head on the ones that that have moved so elijah moore was somebody we would have been hoping that got moved out of new york it hasn't been a good situation for him this season um and it's kind of soured a lot over the last couple of weeks with lack of involvement at all in some of the games, lack of targets in other games. Denzel Mims, another player who's there who is still in New York. The Browns are not moving Kareem Hunt, which is interesting because I thought at the time, at the start of the season, that you know with Dearness Johnson, Hunt, and uh, Nick Chubb there, that one of those would have got moved before the season. Now we've passed the trade deadline with all of them still there. Kareem Hunt played on Monday Night Football. There was a lot of reports that, that would be his last game as a Cleveland Brown. He is still with Cleveland. Then we have Texas, the Texans keeping Branton Cooks. I, I mentioned this to you a moment ago. He doesn't seem uh, too overly pleased with them not moving. It seems like, and this seems like the way it has been all along, that if the right offer came up, that they would move. And the problem with Branton Cooks is the salary and the contract situation was always going to make that one a little bit tricky. And I joked about this one on our preview to week eight, and that was Cam Akers. What happens to that backfield if, if Cam Akers does not get traded? Cam Akers didn't get traded, Sean, so we'll see what happens over the, the next couple of weeks and how that backfield shakes out if they get him reintegrated and successfully. Those are the trades that didn't happen. What is there any of those that you're extremely surprised about, and is there any of them that you're you know disappointed about or potentially pleased that they haven't moved? I mean, Elijah Moore, you knew, wasn't going to be traded because the Jets need him they feel like they have hit on him even though he feels sort of the opposite doesn't like the usage but especially once you lose a breeze hall and you have this team that is competitive for a playoff spot they blow the game to the patriots you said that people probably expected them to win 
this last week, I definitely did not expect that. I expected a game like the one that Zach Wilson has where he completes 20 of 41 passes. The cool part, of course, is that Garrett Wilson continues his breakout. He appears to be a player that whenever the Jets, and I do strongly believe at this point that they have to readdress the QB position, it's hard to let go of that number two overall pick. But when they fix the quarterback position, Garrett Wilson is going to be one of these big time stars, kind of in that Justin Jefferson type of vein but they need Elijah Moore to be his sidekick for them to throw 41 passes and Elijah Moore only be targeted once for zero catches this situation deteriorating at the same time, he wasn't going to go anywhere. The Brandon cooks one, I think a little bit more surprising because there's not a real benefit to the Texans to keep him. I mean, the Texans have been close in a variety of games this season. The AFC South is so weak that they're in these games against their divisional opponents week in and week out. But at 1-5-1, and one, they're not going anywhere. They need to address all of the positions again. It was kind of funny because they had a weak draft this year, and yet people were raving about it because they drafted so many supposed starters. That was because the team was so bad in the first place. Then you draft other players in who are going to be weak starters. You just have to continue to bring in waves and waves of players. It's unfortunate for Cooks, who has been a little bit down this season. He's kind of the flip side of that Armari Cooper story that we mentioned in the other episode that's going to come out, you know, more or less simultaneously with this one. Cook's a player who, yeah, he's not going to go up and make a bunch of contested catches. He's not always open when, even when he is open because he's so small. You need a quarterback who can make those precision deep passes to him. But there are a lot of teams where he would have been such a fun fit. Obviously, the Chiefs probably not going to make another addition after they pick up Kadarius Tony. But you think about the Baltimore Ravens and the injury to Rashad Bateman they basically have nothing they've been more successful with a run game in week seven and then a run heavy second half in week eight but when you think about them as a potential Super Bowl contender I mean Brandon Cooks is the perfect type of player to fit in with what they do you have a team like the Dallas Cowboys where their offense breaks out in a big way in week eight but if you add a true complement to C.D. Lamb Maybe they're now a Super Bowl favorite. You have a team like the Giants who has absolutely nothing, and that was very evident against the Seattle Seahawks. As they try to develop Daniel Jones, and they simultaneously try to get in position to take advantage of this fast start, you can't be losing to a team like the Seahawks, even though the Seahawks are underrated. He would have been a good fit there. I mean, there are so many different situations where if Brandon Cooks had moved, it would have been a lot of fun. Instead, he stays... With the Texans, I think that part is disappointing. I say that as someone who has 0% exposure to Brandon Cooks. I don't think it made sense to have any exposure to him. I would have loved for him to be on a team where that actually bit me <laughs> as we go forward. Unfortunately for him, that doesn't appear to be the case. Also thought the Kareem Hunt might get moved, but I do think the absolute destruction of Cincinnati on Monday night probably has the Browns back into a, not necessarily a buy mode, but a wait and see mode. I'm, they're a sneaky potential playoff contender still. They could go on a very, very hot streak, and having Hunt there gives them the depth. Now, they do have Ernest Johnson. He's someone that many of my co-managers have wanted to stash you know, most of the year. I think that that made sense. It's too bad that it's not going to pay off. They also have Jerome Ford, who had brought a little bit of a spark and been a special teams guy, someone who it looks like they maybe got a steal, but then he was put onto IR. Definitely a situation where you get the impression that Hunt 
just has a big gap still in terms of what the team thinks about him compared to Johnson Ford, maybe someone who factors into the equation much further down the line. Also don't have a lot of hunt because of where his price was and some of the different elements there, not wanting to have a ton of exposure to the Browns, but from an NFL perspective and just from a fantasy being fun perspective, it would have been really cool if he had been traded. Yeah. And it sounds like they were looking for a fourth round pick. So I think a team who is in a contending situation, you know, that I, I don't think that's an egregious price to be be looking for, but something I would like to see. And I, I like this in my dynasty leagues too, is I like later trade deadlines. And I, I would love to see the NFL move it up to like, I don't know, maybe week 14. We can see then you mentioned about the, the Browns now being in a potential kind of wait and see rather than a sell or a buy mode, but it would be nice to have teams where we know, yeah, we're not making the playoffs. And it makes it a little bit trickier for teams as well with the expansion of the playoffs to you're never unless you're really really tanking the season completely out of it so that makes it interesting i would like to see if that was moved back sean that was the teams or the players who weren't moved uh the packers they they didn't make any moves either we were i was hoping maybe we would see something happen but i i I wasn't very optimistic i didn't really dive into any rumors or talks or anything like that so well the uh, packers another team where brandon cooks would have been a really fun fit even though the contract necessarily goes out and makes those moves yeah, the, the contract situation seemed to be the, the big stumbling block for the Packers with how uh, the Texans would have had to eat a lot of that salary. And then obviously if they're eating that salary, they're probably having to give up more draft compensation to, to get that player with that in mind. So that didn't work out. The Packers didn't do it. We, Sean mentioned the show that's going to come out and I teased it at the start. Uh, the remainder of our week eight recap show will come out probably a day after this. It's going to come out Tuesday. That'll probably come out early Wednesday. But that we do talk about the Packers and, you know, Dobbs had a pretty solid game against the um, Bills and continues to come on. So maybe there is some bright sparks there. I, I was more pleased than I have been with how the Packers performed this past week. So maybe in-house they thought the same. But when you have Aaron Rodgers tied down to that big contract, you have Jordan Love, who you have to make the decision on the, the fifth-round option, which I believe is going to be in the range of $23 million next year. I think you could start to move things around. To You're either all in on Aaron Rodgers or you're trying to keep Jordan Love at this point. They could have made some interesting kind of maneuvers there. But, Sean... The big surprise, I think, was TJ Hawkinson. TJ Hawkinson traded in division to the Vikings from the Lions. The Vikings acquired TJ Hawkinson, a 2023 fourth-round pick and a con- conditional 2024 fourth-round pick as well. The Lions get a 2023 second and a 2024 third-round pick. I-, I was shocked with this trade. I was surprised. I-, I think TJ Hawkinson would be worth more. It's an end-division trade, so there's a lot of interesting scenarios here, but... This was one that I met with uh, quite a large amount of surprise. Do you think it is a good move for him? We're, we're, we've talked about Kirk Cousins long and hard in this show. Um, or a bad move for him from a fantasy perspective moving forward here? It's got to be good from a fantasy perspective. The Lions struggling to get him involved. He has that 40-point explosion in Week 4 against Seattle and then comes back and does virtually nothing the next month. And for that to be the case, I think incredibly disappointing the vikings and despite the weaknesses of kirk cousins they need some complementary targets to justin jefferson we've watched as adam thielen has been competent but not dynamic in that role ben and i did a show last week talking about buy low options at wide receiver these guys who may not be sexy names maybe too boring for your league mates to hold on to guys you might acquire and get a little boost from Adam Thielen on that list, I think he probably falls off with the arrival of 
Hawkinson there. This corresponds to an injury for Irv Smith. The Vikings, I mean, you can look at this as a play to go all in on the 2022 season, but really this is a great trade for them from a big picture perspective. So many of the teams, as you work through the salary cap and the implications long-term, they really are almost more needing to spend money as opposed to the other way around. There are a lot of different accounting tricks that you can use. Part of the deal here from the Lions perspective is that they're going to have to pay him a lot in the future. It makes sense at times to move some of these players because you think about what you're going to have to pay. And essentially, if that price is the highest price that any team in the NFL would pay, then the player at that point essentially has negative trade value. The rest of the teams have said he's worth less than that. And the team that has the player, they've got various points of leverage that they can use. But if you move the player when he still does have some trade value, that can make sense. And yet it's so difficult to fill some of these holes and the Lions are going to go from having a multifaceted dynamic weapon at the tight end position and a player they drafted very, very early to a situation where now they have another hole. You think about the last decade and the situation that they have placed themselves in where they take two shots with Eric Ebron and TJ Hawkinson. Both of those now are going to basically go down as misses. Ebron, someone who did have some solid seasons elsewhere, definitely a lot of the weaknesses he had with the Lions still manifested on those teams and in those locations. Hawkinson, someone now who, especially with the Vikings, I mean, he jumps right back and solidifies himself in that range as the tight end four or five, where you look at the talent, you look at the flexibility, you look at the age, and now you look at the offense, and there just aren't going to be very many other tight ends who can realistically measure up to what his opportunity appears to be with Minnesota. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, and then we get Chase Claypool, and I'll go through two here together. We get Chase Claypool goes from the Pittsburgh Steelers to the Chicago Bears for a 2023 second round pick. Then we haven't got the compensation on this because this happened right as we were starting to record, Sean. Naheem Hines is off to the Buffalo Bills. Listeners of the show will know that uh, they're probably wondering what I'm thinking here with uh, Devin Singletary, and he was one of my favorite players to draft this offseason. I think it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. I think it's a really poor sign, I would imagine, for, for James Cook moving forward here. But Naheem Hines moved from the Colts to the Buffalo Bills. What is your thoughts on, on both of these deals? 
Well, the first one with the Bears, you see that Darnell Mooney has a 27% target share and yet has been completely unplayable in fantasy. So part of the problem for Claypool is just going to be that even if you can get your target share into that 30% range with the Bears, which is going to be more difficult now that you have two guys instead of just one, maybe you're still useless. At the same time, I think that Justin Fields has looked so good in the last two, three, four games that this offense is going to take a jump, not necessarily now, but over the next year and a half. And if they end up taking Claypool and retaining him, the mix of Claypool and Mooney is pretty interesting. And you've got guys who have a vertical ability. You have someone with Claypool who is one of the top freak score guys. Claypool, not a great college receiver and fits into a little bit of that same mold that you get with a DJ Chark where a player who wasn't productive gets to the NFL, flashes for a while, and flashes with that elite size speed package to where you're thinking, okay, the college team just wasn't able to take advantage of him, but this player is a bona fide star. And then you find out, well, maybe there were some real reasons that they've had inconsistency in the past. They're going to have inconsistency in the future. I think it's a good move for the Bears. I mean, obviously, if you take the compensation part of it out, there is some risk for them where you just kind of wonder why they haven't drafted better. And if you're building, they don't plan to draft better in the future. The Valus Jones pick was a strange one. The decision in the offseason to not build around fields was widely panned. It's almost like there's some pressure there for them to, especially now that fields is, you know, coming out of the chrysalis and looking a little bit like a player who could be a star that they want to respond to those questions and say, look, I mean, we're not completely trying to throw a quarterback under the bus. He's going to have some weapons. He's going to emerge. Even just one player difference here, I think could mean a lot to him. So this is almost a move that's better for fields than it is for Claypool than it is for Mooney. But the change that this could inspire in terms of pass run mix, and then the overall efficiency for the offense, even someone like Mooney who now figures to lose target share could benefit him, maybe not in the short term, but in the medium term. Yeah, I think that that's a, an interesting way to look at it. And I, I, we often say more players that are moved around and you know more stress on the defense can lead to more up. Like you know, the volume game isn't the most important thing if the targets are are really poor quality. I think that could make it interesting there, Sean. One that's not going to affect this season that I find was very interesting was Calvin Ridley. The Falcons move him to the Jacksonville Jaguars, and I think this is an interesting move from the Jaguars. Obviously, he, he is suspended at the moment from the nfl based on uh, the off-field issue with gambling last year which obviously the rules and regulations around that can maybe that'll change in the future but uh it's an ex- it's quite a complex this <laughs> i really love this trade when i seen it so it can be a maximum of a 2023 fifth rounder and a 2024 second rounder there are conditions attached so he has to get reinstated by the date and that'll make it worth a 2023 fifth rounder otherwise it'll be a sixth rounder if he makes the team in 2024 it's at least a fourth rounder if he hits playtime milestones it's a third rounder and if jackson gets in jacksonville gets a new long-term deal with them it's a second rounder so i think it's it's interesting to see all these kind of escalators i guess well we we see this with contracts you know if they hit these different milestones that 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 leads to it but not something that we need to talk about really for this year but i think it's a when we get to 2023 draft season i think it's gonna be a very interesting one to talk about calvin ridley with the jaguars and with the players that they have now put around trevor lawrence i thought lawrence was 
was quite poor this past week and he's been really up and down this season he's showing some flashes then he's showing some really big struggles but yeah 2023 getting a, a receiver in like calvin ridley is is an interesting move for them and strange one overall by by the falcons as well i think to move on from a young wide receiver but they're probably looking obviously the the key part there is the long-term deal that might mean something that the falcons felt they could get done with calvin ridley with the the young players that they now have on that roster so what what's your thoughts any thoughts on it or is it something just to to keep in your mind for for next year or is it something that would make you even more interested in dynasty to, to make a move for calvin ridley this is a cool trade because i think that it benefits both sides it seems to be reasonably balanced it should benefit calvin ridley it should benefit trevor lawrence it is something where you think of all of these different situations where a player has had a suspension or a suspension mixed with something else like voluntarily leaving the nfl for a while and it's tough for these guys to come back the deandre hopkins explosion over the last couple of weeks is an unusual outcome not the normal state of things and so uh, my guess would be that ridley doesn't bring a ton in the future but i'm hoping that i'm wrong because he's always been one of my favorite players and for a small receiver he's one of the most dynamic guys out there nobody is a marvin harrison but the vertical ability that he brings, the red zone prowess that he's had throughout his career. I mean, this is a guy who, if he gets his life together, and, and really that's the thing too, when you're rooting for him, I mean, you're rooting for him from a full life perspective because that is a lot of the part that has held him back. And so, I mean, you, you want to see him blossom again and get back to the situation where he can be one of the best wide receivers in football that 2020 season before everything fell apart last year i mean he was one of the very best players in the nfl he's going to be 28 when he goes to the falcons next year especially for players who are trying to bounce back from a variety of difficulties you don't want them to also be older one of the things that it's easy to overlook when we have a lot of performances from veteran players this season that have been excellent is that when you're into that 28 29 30 range the cliff is always right there. Now, any play in the NFL, any player from any position can be more or less done. That's one of the reasons why, even when you're thinking about 23, 24, 25 year old players, when they have problems pop up from an injury perspective, if you get a good price, the sad thing is you often need to move on because their chances of coming back healthy, when you mix them in with all of the other hurdles, it's not specifically the injury or the suspension, but it's those things combined with all of the normal problems or obstacles that any player faces, you're adding more issues to the mix. But for Calvin Ridley, I hope that he's able to bounce back and really lead this team. And you'd like to see a bigger body threat for this roster. One of the things with bringing in Christian Kirk and Zay Jones is that you have two guys who are probably secondary threats. They've both been all right. But when you're talking about the air yards numbers for them, I mean, the target depth at Kirk, 8.4 for Zay Jones, 7. The target splits in terms of share, you have 22% for Kirk, 20% for Jones, 18% for Marvin Jones, who is right there in the lead for air yards despite having played in one fewer game and have a lot less targets than Kirk does. It, it's just not the balance and the mix that you have when you have a dynamic offense. And so to bring in yet another small player, that part I don't think is going to help Trevor Lawrence, who 
I mean, he pulls the trigger fast. He's got the great arm talent. He appears to make decisions extremely quickly, if not always well. But to have a big guy who's always open, who's open when he steps on the field, that's probably what this team needs more. But even with the mild positives that Kirk and Zay Jones have brought, I mean, these guys don't have nearly the dynamism of a Calvin Ridley. So it could work out for them. And the fact that they put some protections into this trade, I mean, the downside for the Jaguars is not particularly significant. Yeah, so uh, no, I, th- I think it's interesting. I think it's a fascinating trade overall. Sean, the next one and this next trade involves two backfields. So we're going to pair this one together. It is going to be the win bet trade scenario of the day. And I'm going to see who you think has won has has won it, I guess, or who has won it, I almost said there. But you can sign up today to get your special offer from WinBet. You can bet $100, win $100. Download the WinBet app now or visit winbet.com to start winning today. But Sean, the Miami backfield was in flux, and it was a case where Chase Edmonds gets moved first. He goes to the Denver Broncos, where he'll now fit in in a situation there with Latavius Murray and Melvin Garden. It was all part of, I guess we'll say, the overall player that's involved in this is Bradley Chubb. So Miami trades a 2023 first-round pick. That was one they got from San Francisco. The 2024 fourth, the Chase Edmonds element of it. And then they get Bradley Chubb from Denver and a 2025 fifth. And this is something that has kind of moved Miami from a team who was kind of building for the future to almost a win-now team in, in the space of those opening eight weeks of the season. And the Denver Broncos almost have flipped to the, the opposite side who are kind of all in with the Russell Wilson deal to then now looking kind of feels potentially, you know, into next season and, and beyond. Jeff Wilson then, so it felt at that point Raheem Mostert is the big winner, but then Jeff Wilson is acquired from the 49ers, obviously used to previously play with Mostert, knows the coaching staff. Uh, he moves for a 2023 fifth round pick. So we end up now that that is kind of the, the backfield there. I think overall, Sean, this is, is quite a fascinating number of moves. Um, Chase Edmonds has not been very efficient this year. He is now with the Broncos. We basically then we get Jeff Wilson with the 49ers. Uh, sorry, with, with the Dolphins. An interesting note on this, Sean, that I want to share with you is Trey Lance, when he was traded for um, with the kind of scenario to get the draft capital that he got, the picks that Miami have now acquired for that third overall pick in the 2021 draft they have now drafted Jalen Waddle which they had to trade up for a little bit in that draft they've also traded for Tyreek Hill and now they've traded for Bradley Chubb so seems like the Dolphins are are really getting the better end of that at the moment but we still have Trey Lance to come back next season and hopefully he'll come back healthy but just an interesting note when we know now the the faces or the names behind the compensation yeah this is an example of the way in which elite organizations are going to find a way through and are going to create paths to victory, whereas poor organizations are going to lose almost regardless of what they do. Because the 49ers, even though that has been a massive, I wouldn't say mistake, but and I wouldn't say bust for Trey Lance, but that portion of it has not worked out. And yet they've made subsequent moves to get Christian McCaffrey, for example, to have Jimmy Garoppolo, who is a former Super Bowl quarterback in there, in many ways, they still look like an NFC Super Bowl favorite, especially once they get this entire team back healthy and all the pieces incorporated. And yet what the Dolphins have done here is absolutely magical. And especially when you consider the 
draft capital that they were required to give up because of the tampering penalties. They've worked around and worked through that to where they have one of the best and most exciting teams in the NFL. Now, I'm sure they would have liked their defense to play better, especially in that first half against Detroit, but they make a move now to shore up some of those elements. The Miami Dolphins have never been one of the teams that I had that much interest in, but actually know some people who work for the Dolphins. I'm rooting really hard for them. I think that portion of it is cool. And at the same time, anytime that a team builds like this and is this exciting and what they have done with Tua, and you can see the importance of coaching and the way last year, the head coach who has been involved in a variety of things that the NFL would like to go away. And, you know, who knows how that will all develop, but his lack of faith in Tua really slowed this organization down for Mike McDaniel to come in there and, show that he can create the college version of Tua simply with number one, giving him elite weapons and number two with the scheme. And then number three, within the course of the game, the play calling it, the Dolphins have been amazing to watch. I love seeing what they're doing with Tyree kill. The fact that the chiefs could let Hill go and Patrick Mahomes could still be demonstrating how he is the best player in the NFL and the chiefs are perhaps the best team in the NFL. And yet Hill could do what he's doing where all of his huge claims in the offseason would turn out to be correct. I mean, even if you mostly root against Tyreek Hill, it's been so fun to watch. I mean, that's what we want to see as NFL fans first in many cases. That's what leads you to fantasy football in the first place, to see what he's doing, to see what Jalen Waddell is doing. I think all of that portion is cool. You have now a better fit at the running back position. Unfortunately, the move to sign Chase Edmonds didn't work out. Easily passed up by Raheem Mostert. Mostert brings that blazing speed. They have Wilson, who can also generate some highlights. This is great because the 49ers made the move for McCaffrey, and then instead of Wilson being pushed to the side, he gets to go to a situation that makes sense for him. We know the 49ers have Elijah Mitchell coming back. They have Terry and Davis Price, whom they just drafted and they like. So that will be a better mix. It'll be a better mix for the Dolphins. If you have Wilson on a few teams, Zachary Kruger and I have him on our best team. And so this is actually kind of fun for us because it now frees him back up to have some big games going forward. An injury to Mostert, which is not that unlikely. And suddenly Wilson is back to being a potential 2022 league winner. I mean, that's a huge development right there. I think when the two teams kind of get together and they're about to make this trade and the owner has to sign off from the Broncos perspective, instead of signing off, you want to just say, no, everyone is fired. The front office that you know made the move to get this coaching staff in there that made the move to get Russell Wilson's like, let's not do any more damage to our roster before we <laughs> alleviate you guys of your roles. I mean, again, you have a little bit of that same deal that you have with the Lions and Hawkinson where the future contract and compensation elements for Chubb are very significant. And perhaps you can say again, that maybe he has negative trade value after you pay him those absurd amounts of money, but just like you have in the situation with the Tyreek Hill, I mean, how are you going to replace that performance from a Broncos perspective? One of the reasons why they have been in all of these games and one of the reasons that they win this game in London is because despite all of the coaching difficulties, they have an elite defense. Uh, this is a real dagger, I think, for Denver Broncos fans. Yeah, it's a, a. I don't know. The I had I had high hopes for the Packers entering this season, but I, I still I still think that the Broncos probably had higher hopes over there, and and that has gone 
as bad as we could probably have imagined you know i don't even think we could have imagined this situation at the start of the season sean final note here it has come true i mentioned i didn't know the compensation for naheem hines it turns out that it is a 2023 conditional sixth round pick and zach moss so we have zach moss now with the indianapolis Colts. so it is a case that it's one running back out one running back in but i do think looking at a team who you know we talked about kareem hunt and a team who is a contender and knows her contender and this is a team who's right in there for a you know uh, the first round by be the number one seed they were linked with kareem hunt as well i th- I think this is a really smart move by the bills in terms of how their backfield will will operate moving forward but that's going to get us to the end of the show once again today's show brought to you by blue wire and WinBet. you can check out the WinBet app today and sign up for that offer there will be a show coming out for you very very soon that we already recorded that is going to be the end of our uh, nfl week Eight recap show lots of stuff we talked about there as well so check out that that will come out on wednesday hopefully you'll enjoy that bonus edition of the road of his overtime podcast my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at over to martin my co-host is sean siegel check out all of sean's work up on rotoviz.com until we are back with that extra show on wednesday have a good one Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. <laughs>